0: Listener
1: Production. People will think what they want to think. You know, you must never go through life worrying about what people think of you. I don't. I really don't. I know how I conduct myself. If you don't like me, get off the planet. If you like me, you're welcome anytime.
2: Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. There aren't many Australians known simply by their first name. Well, our next guest is one of them. You know her as Carlotta. She was the star of Lay Girls in King's Cross in the 60s and 70s. She then went on to star in daytime television. And she was the inspiration behind the movie, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Carlotta is now 80. She is the most beautiful and busiest 80 year old that I know. And for those of you listening in Sydney, she's about to star in her one woman show at the Hayes Theatre. I know I'm booking my tickets. Now I'm lucky enough to call her a friend. So I know her as Carol. Oh, Carol, this is so exciting having you in studio. (laughs) Hello, my princess. How are you? I love you. Whenever I see you, I feel lighter and brighter. You're such a beautiful person. Oh, darling,
1: you know that's what life's all about. You don't want to be hanging around miserable people.
2: I don't. I don't let them into my life. Your story is extraordinary and that's what I want to talk to you about. I was lucky enough to first meet you on Studio 10 when we worked together Mm. and that was such a privilege for me to sit next to you, listen to you talk, share your stories. But I also got to experience your incredible big heart. You are so generous. I think you're the most generous person that I know.
1: I don't know whether you know. I think you do know. I hate accolades. I really do. I do what I want to do. You know, if I won 10 million in the lottery today, darling, I wouldn't be spending it on myself. You know me. I just wouldn't. It's just that I'm very fortunate. I have a very happy life. Only because I've worked hard all my life and I've put myself in that position that I'm not going to... I uh, sit around being miserable. I want to be happy. And I, I don't know whether it stems back to my childhood. I don't know. I just don't like whinges. It's the one thing I hate in life. I can't stand why do people moan.
2: Well, you're definitely not a moaner. You are always a glass half full as opposed to half empty. But what is it, though, that you don't like about the accolades? Because you are an icon. You are known... Throughout Australia, by your stage name Carlotta, why don't you like those accolades for someone who stars on the stage?
1: I really don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I just get embarrassed about it all because, you know, they say comedians are shy. And I consider myself a comedian on stage more than a, uh, well, you're you an know, entertainer. Well, the days are gone where I was a real glamorous show girl, you know, but then I sort of more or less progressed into a comedian but a glamorous comedian, but, you know, not as glamorous as I was in the old days where I could do a high kick and tap dance around the stage for three hours. But I'm just me. It's a very hard question to answer because I just like being generous. I'm a giver. Not, I don't like receiving, actually. The only thing I'd like receiving if it was a multi-millionaire and he put a rock on my finger as big as Elizabeth Taylor's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then You'd I would say, thank receive you. it. I'd say thank you. Yes. <laughs> so for any multi-millionaires, billionaires listening, Carlotta wants uh, a massive
1: rock on her finger. Please listen. All those uh, multi-billionaire blokes, you know they they don't go for old boilers like me, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I passed that. If I was eighteen, yes, they'd be jumping at me. <laughs> so I wasn't a bad sort back then.
2: Well, let's talk about those days, as you say. In the cross, in King's Cross, you're a glamorous showgirl starring in Lay Girls. What was that like back then? Completely different to today. King's Cross in
1: those days was like the Las Vegas of Australia. The lights, the glamour. I mean, the strip clubs were beautiful in those days. They weren't sleazy. And the prostitutes on the street were beautiful. They wore Chanel labels. Wow. Yes. I used to admire how beautifully they were dressed, but it was a different era. We had tough police, very tough police. Well, like, you were arrested, weren't well, you? Well, a lot of them were crooks, you know, a lot of them were crooks. But sometimes I think today I'd like to have some of those police back because you know what? They made it very easy for you to walk down the street. Didn't have gangs wandering around at Christmas stealing your deliveries At the front door. I saw that on the news today.
2: (laughs) You're always across the the current affairs, Carol.
1: (laughs) You know me well.
2: (laughs) Always. But you say in terms of, you know, walking down the street, but the reality was when you were walking down the well, street, it, you no, were no, no, arrested. No, no, no. Of
1: course I was arrested because they had just stupid laws. Because don't forget, Lay Girls was very new to Australia. Uh, it was an idea brought back from France by a man called Lee Gordon, who was the first promoter in Australia. And he uh, used to bring out people like... Frank Sinatra. uh, Yeah, Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, Betty Hutton, all those stars, which a lot of the younger ones wouldn't even know today. And he'd come back with this idea of... uh, He saw a club in France which was called The Carousel and it was all men dressed up as women. And he went, I'm going to start one here. And he said to me, he said, you'd look good in a frock. I think I was just turning 17 uh, he said, oh, you're too pretty. And were you dressed in a frock then, Carol? No, I wasn't. No. Mind you, I thought I looked like Jerry Lewis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you talking about? You're beautiful now. I look at pictures of you when you were a showgirl and you are breathtaking.
1: A few years ago, an all-male review, like lay Girls, would have been out of the question in Sydney, but they're adding a startling new dimension to an old form of entertainment. It was a different era. You've got to remember, like today, you know, they've got these new words trans and all that. In my day, it was a drag queen, gay or straight. So you've got to understand that's how I was brought up because lay girls it was the only place that I could work at. I couldn't go and get a job dressed as I was in uh, women's clothes in a chemist or go and study to be a doctor all You know, today they've got so many freedoms. So it was tough in my day. The police were sort of heavy-handed where they used to say to the promoters of the club, uh, Sammy Lee and all them, uh, we don't want them walking around the street in dresses. So we had to go to work dressed in boys' clothes. But wait for this, still have your face and your hair on. And I don't know, I'd love a dollar for every time I've told this story that when I got arrested, because it turned into one of the biggest jokes out, that I said, what's the charge? He said, offensive behaviour. That's what it came under. And I said, what's the offence? And he said, dressed as a woman. I said, but there's no law written on that. You know, I was intelligent, you know me, I'm always studying things up. And I said, and why? I said, the judge has got a wig and a robe on.
2: Exactly. Who's the one? (laughs) Yeah, excuse me. Who's the one dressed up? or whatever. Yeah, excuse me.
1: Which he did laugh, the judge.
2: Because you have incredible stories too from that time. You had, as you say, King's Cross. It was the glamorous place to be. People like um, what Sammy Davis Jr. would come and see you perform, Liza Minnelli, all darling, of the big Hollywood Bent stars. I sneak in late at night.
1: But I used to do hairstyles in those days for Dusty Springfield and uh, Natalie Cole, Shirley Bassey, you know, they comb their wigs and things up. You know, I left so much out of my books, but a lot of things couldn't go in the book in those days. I never spoke out of school, darling. I knew my place. When you say you, but you know, well, I could have, I could have caused a, a lot of scandals in my time, but I didn't because for the simple reason is, scandal, it's three minutes. When you look at it, it's three minutes, and unless they're going to pay you a million dollars or something for that scandal, it's not worth it, because
2: you come out the baddie in the end. Very wise words. When you grew up, because you grew up in Balmain, Mm -hmm. what was that like for you?
1: I had a wonderful childhood. You know, there's an old saying, I grew up with Dawn Fraser, which we did, we're buddies, uh, when we bump into one another. Uh, I'm very fortunate, I've got a lot of friends that I don't see them for months, like yourself, but we click when we get together. And I had a saying where, you know, Dawn Fraser, she swam like a bloke and I dressed like a woman. (laughs)
2: I love, I love your turns of phrase. They're just so sensational. And humour, I think, is something that you use to kind of almost deflect, but also deal with. I hated, hated I hated
1: political correction coming in. We are Australians. We know how to laugh at ourselves. Well, we did, but unfortunately. We don't today, or some of us don't. And unfortunately, I think political correctness has just ruined that whole ockerism that I loved. And it's such a shame, but I still will do it. And I make an announcement before my shows, if you're politically correct, you better POQ now because you're not going to like this. <laughs> But if you stay, you're going to have a bloody good laugh, which we all need.
2: We do need a laugh. But what I find sort of tricky for me to get my head around as a younger person is a lot of what you say with people being politically correct, to me it's about being kind. Obviously, you don't want the extremes, but no. about, but, but actually speaking up but for you people. But you
1: can do it without being offensive. You know, it's a way you deliver it. I mean, the first thing I do when I go on stage, the first thing I do is just rip the crap out of myself.
2: I send myself up something stupid. Which I think is magnificent. And do you think that that stems from... Before I pick on anyone in the audience, I ridicule myself to no end. And is that also because you don't want anyone else to do it? It's sort of because from early on, you've had to stand on your own two feet and speak up for yourself you've all hit the it, time. You've hit
1: it right on the nail. It was tough. I had to take the criticism, you know, growing
2: up. I was called every name under the sun. How did you manage that, but become the beautiful 80-year-old woman that well, you I got, are today? Well, I got learned,
1: I got taught a very good lesson in life, which is true, and I've seen it I don't know how the Kardashians will ever handle it later on in life, but I was always told you're going to be well-known. You know, you've got talent and you're quite good-looking. Never believe in your own publicity because there's always someone better around the corner and I've always lived by that motto and it's true. Yes, it is. I've never been a conceited person and I've never been a jealous person Jealousy is a word that's not in my vocabulary. It's not at all. I don't believe in jealousy.
2: What about love? Love,
1: I had it once. That was enough. Because you were married, weren't you? Yes. I got the house, he got the
2: gate. <laughs> See, again, you make me laugh when you say that, but I know that must have it's been not hard.
1: That wasn't the way we both shared it. But <laughs> I say that, but uh, look, I think once if you have a great love, like look at your marriage. It's Petey. He's just beautiful. And I've got friends, you know, that have been married a long time. The thing with a good couple is it's trust. It's T-R-U-T. Is it an E-S or Um,
2: See, we're both blondes.
1: Oh, sorry, blondes out there.
2: Uh, But
1: it's true. You know, if you don't have trust, you've got nothing.
2: But I thought you had trust in that marriage though, Carol. I did, but I left him so he could have children. But that must have been hard for you, heartbreaking for you. I think
1: the guy fell in love with a fantasy.
2: You being the fantasy? Yes. I
1: think, you know, the thing is we were like, you could say nearly brother and sisters in the end. You know, we had a lot of trust front friendship. Um, if I, uh, don't forget I became quite famous at Lay Girls and I didn't want him, I said to when I left him, I said, if you have children, they must never know about us.
2: Oh, why? And
1: they never did and now they're grown up. I believe one's even married now.
2: Why did you say that? Because why wouldn't you want them to know you because and how amazing?
1: At that time, darling, we didn't have the freedoms that we've got today. That's why we didn't have these freedoms. Or, well, that's all I can say is we didn't have the freedoms today. He would have got. They would have got persecuted. They would have got. Um, sent up at school, bullied. No, 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 no. I'm not that sort of person and I, just, and I wasn't making myself, don't get me wrong, a being a martyr. It's the right thing to do.
2: Where did you find though that strength? Because it, it comes through time and time again at different times in your life that you did stand up. I think you... it's
1: because I had two mothers
2: and I never had a father
1: and from a young age, I had to battle for myself. Don't forget I left home at 16 because I had an abusive stepfather. Uh, My mother remarried. I didn't know my real mother till I was 12. My stepmother I just absolutely adored. My real mother wouldn't even hug me. I was born during the war. She was so young, never understood anything about gay or campness or anything like that. You know, it just just went above her head, even though she used to come and see some of my shows years ago.
2: And did you know that she was in the audience? Oh, yeah, I
1: was supposed to know. To I looked
2: after her right up till the end.
1: Financially was. there wasn't a lot of love there. I just couldn't. It's hard to describe when someone hugs you and shrugs away from you. You try to give them a hug and they shrug away from you finger snapped or something went off in my head and I went, no, I won't go that far anymore. Whereas my stepmother, oh, she couldn't stop squeezing me, you know. And she said, if I was able to adopt her, you wouldn't have turned out like this. And I said, thank God I did.
2: <laughs> I, said, cause I said, I don't think they'd have needed another Jerry Lewis running around. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that makes me think of, because you are so giving and loving. So you're... Everything that your mother wasn't, that you would have loved her to have been. My mother was very glamorous and I must admit I look very
1: much like her. She was very, very glamorous. And I, when I was a kid, she used to come to our house about once every two months or something. And I used to remember her giving my auntie an envelope, which was money, I think, to look after me. And then I found out years later, Auntie Hazel tried to adopt me as my mother was remarrying and she didn't want to give up the payments she was getting from the government. I can say it all now.
2: Yes, you can. And in terms of how you felt, when you were little, did you think,
1: I'm a girl? I've never put a brand on myself. This is where I get in a lot of trouble, please. I don't want all this business. I grew up in a different era. I've always called myself just Carlotta. C-A-R-L-O-T-T-A and now I've got an AM on the end of it. That's how I am. You could think of me as Fredo the Frog or Jerry Lewis. I don't care. I do not put a sexual brand on myself and I never will till the day I die. By not opening my mouth the other way, I don't get myself into trouble because if I start down that road, boy, do I get attacked.
2: But it's not putting a s-
1: sexual, for, yes. I stick up for a lot of the kids today If whatever they want to do. The only thing I'm against, and I say it now that I'm older, young kids, little boy might want to go to school dressed as a girl. Little girl might want to go to school dressed as a boy. Blah, blah, blah. they go through this cycle. Please let them mature into teenage years before you start treatments, medical treatments, because I've seen so many and I've got letters from mothers, they've gone into their teen years, they can't turn back because their bodies have been ruined by the treatments that they've been having. And don't forget, I went through the roughest of treatments when I had this with all the sex change, which was utterly ridiculous and I bucked the
2: system. So tell us about that, if well, you don't
1: mind. Well, it was a terrible thing. I just, you know, I just didn't like, anyway, I just wanted to have the change, you know. I just want, I'm i living as a woman, uh, well, if you want to say a, little, a woman, I, I like to dress like this, I like to look glamorous, so I went and had the change but the treatment that I got was absolutely ridiculous. You know, they put wires on my head and they made me look at dirty pictures to see if I got aroused. Ridiculous pictures. And then of course, in the final days before they were going to do the actual operation, they had a whole room full of clergymen, lawyers, doctors, I think they even had a priest there. I'm not sure. And they gave me a pair of red high heels to walk up and down in front of them. What? This, may I be struck dead, this is what happened. I took the high heels, I threw it at the table. I said, I'll go overseas and have it done. You're all idiots. And I walked out and that was out of the Prince of Wales Hospital. And if you want to read my last book after I die, I name the ones who did it to me.
2: That is just... I'm literally speechless. What on earth did they think would be gained by having you... Because they didn't know what they were doing. You know, these so-called... Experts. Now that I'm
1: older, but don't forget, I didn't know what I was actually doing then in those days. You know, I was naive, I believe. But there's something always been in the back of my head, I don't know, I do my homework.
2: Well, you're curious. I think you're a very curious person and you always ask questions and want to find out more. How was it for you, though? Because you were the first, I suppose, you were very well-known. They they put it on the newspaper. They had the mirror
1: paper in those days and it had headline, Balmain Boy Becomes Beauty when I had the change. My mother fell off the stool at the RSL because she didn't even know about it. I, I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't want anyone to know. So how was it then because in the paper? little gay orderly and who knew me from lay girls rang up the papers. Well, I woke up. I was surrounded with flowers. I thought I was in a mortuary. I thought <laughs> 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 I'd woken up in...
2: <laughs> but again, we're laughing, which I think is good. But in that moment, though, how did you deal with... Something that is so private to you being splashed on the front page and everyone knowing.
1: I was really upset because I, I thought I'd lose my job at Lay Girls because they wouldn't think of me as a, a boy. They thought I was a woman and blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, for God's sake, I'm Carlotta. I'm an entertainer. And I went back on stage and you say, yeah, I went and had the chop. I mean, I even say it in this new pando.
2: <laughs> and again, this is you, I love it, using humour to sort of own your story and say it in your terms because, again, you know me, I'm very sensitive and I, when people oh, say unkind things to me, well, I, I go, oh, how, especially in those earlier days when because you were performing. Because
1: I've been sent up so much in my life, darling, you get a tough back. You really do. Those hairs on your back become thorns. Believe you me, you become strong. No one could try and put me down today. No, come on. No, because it'd go in one ear and out the other. I am proud of what I've done in my life and I always will be. You know, I'm not going to back down for... uh, If someone doesn't like me, they don't have to live with me, do they? They don't have to be involved with me in my life. Get on with your life. I'm not interfering with your life. You're only here once and I'm gonna bloody enjoy every minute of it, I haven't got many left.
2: Okay, listeners, I'm just wanting to share a bit of a secret with you. We have a special guest who is just about to surprise Carlotta. Now it's Courtney Act, because as you might know, Carlotta has been an incredible inspiration for Courtney. And Courtney wrote in her recent memoir about why Carlotta is such an amazing force in their life. So any moment now, Courtney is going to be appearing on screen in front of Carlotta. You are... Such a big hearted person, and you're a bit of a mother hen. And so, we've brought someone very oh, special. My who... daughter!
1: <laughs> <laughs> my daughter! Hello, gorgeous. Hello!
3: How are you? Oh, God. What are you two gas about?
2: <laughs> you know what we are talking about? We are talking about Carol's enormous heart because she is so generous. And I know she's been a bit of a mother hen for you as well, hasn't she?
3: She has. She's always been. I mean, I think even when I was like 18 or 19, before she would have even known who I was, I remember her always being kind and lovely. And um, I think it was about 2005 when I joined Carlotta's Priscilla show and I got to tour around all of the RSLs. And that was such an amazing experience. Just to, to stand on the wings and watch Carlotta work a crowd is a masterclass. Well,
1: you've got no idea how proud of you I am. Oh, thank you. I follow everything you do and you're just such a talent.
3: You are. Thank you. I mean, I know people say this, but truly it is the pioneering path that you paved that allowed me to do what I do. No,
2: no, Betty, look, you've either
1: got it or you haven't. Courtney, you've
3: got it. Thank you.
2: But isn't it interesting, you know, you're giving Carol a compliment, but she's still deflecting it, that she is such a trailblazer.
3: Yeah, she really is.
2: But I don't like all that. You know, I don't know.
1: See, I admire talent. This kid here on the screen, I tell you, I've seen the improvement over the years. Thankfully. And I'm not crapping in your pants. I'm telling you now. You've done it on your own and you're like me when I was young because you're a goer. You keep going, you keep going, you keep changing, remodelling yourself, which I did over the years, over the years. I had it probably a lot harder than you have had it Mm. and other people have had it. But what I'm saying is you've created your own success because you've worked at it and I admire you for it and always will. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't need it reflected back on me that I helped and did all this blah, blah, blah. They do it themselves. But
3: you did, Blanche.
2: What I suppose I'd really like to pick up on is Carol had said to you that seeing you now, if she was doing it again, she'd be doing what you're doing as Shane and Courtney.
3: I thought about this because I've heard you talk about it in the past sort of privately and I examined it when I was writing my memoir because I remember thinking about what you had said uh, as like, oh, you know, back then it's just what we did. And in the 60s, if you did drag, you went on hormones, you got tits, (laughs) that kind of chat. That's right. But I think the context is missing from that because if you think about who would have been drawn to perform at Lay Girls in the 1960s, it was people like you and, and like me who are not men, and we have an affinity for the feminine and, you know, for all of that sort of stuff. And I think in that era, there was only two options. You're either a bloke or a sheila. That's right. so I think in that time, you know, you fit into that category and you've lived a wonderful and magical life from where you began in the, you know, the 50s and 60s until now.
1: Yeah, look, you're a very good-looking boy. I look like Jerry Lewis. I don't believe it. <laughs> but I was a fabulous-looking girl. So that's why I think I went down that track. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did But there's something do, in you, right? I didn't it's not do just it. about a look. No, 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 I don't know. I that's the way I think about it because I just didn't want to be, uh, become a woman and have kids and marry a guy. I didn't have that attitude. I always wanted to be in show business. You know, I wanted to go into television, which I did, number 96. But it was tough because they wouldn't touch a lot of us in those days. I was very very fortunate that I got into television the way I did because, you know, they wouldn't have dreamt of doing it. And look how much TV you've done and how successful you are, One Plus One.
3: Well, since I'm here, I know that Jess's podcast goes deep, right? So I was watching your Stan One Plus One. And I thought, I wish I was there to ask you questions because on one hand, you talked about how wonderful and how exciting it was back then and how there was not so much political correctness and not so many rules. But then at the same time, you also talked about how you were beaten and chased by the police and hated against. So I felt like there was a bit of a, a, not a contradiction, but maybe like a, um, a reimagining of history in a more positive way. But I'm sure that back in the 60s, it's better now than it was then.
1: It was a bit of a contradiction because you know what? You know what we did, I think, well, uh, probably what I did too, is put myself into a fantasy bubble. Mm.
3: For protection? I lived a fantasy bubble
1: for protection.
3: Yeah, because you had and to. And I think
1: I did that. When I think about it now and I look back, mm. I did. I sort of put myself into a fantasy bubble to protect myself because. You didn't know which way it was going to go at the cross in those days because there were bad cops around who didn't like drag queens. And, you know, like there was one of my kids in the show in back in those days, um, there was one cop that had it out for her all the time. She used to get terrible bashings. And I went to a certain gangster in the cross and I had that policeman removed to the bush because... I think she would have ended up dead because she got bashed so much. You had that side of the cross, but then I think the other side was, I don't know, we protected ourselves.
3: Yeah. As I say, the thing with political correctness, I guess, is I think it can often go too far, but I don't think that all political correctness is necessarily a bad thing and that perhaps what we haven't done very well in the last five years is found that, Balance, where we're thinking about people compassionately and being kind to, you know, people's needs, but we're also not creating a world where you just can't say anything anymore.
2: I think you've said that beautifully.
3: I think I- you
1: did too. It's just that it's, uh, I was saying before to Jess, you know, we've, we've got this, what I call, acaurism that we can laugh at ourselves in, in Australia. And I, th- I find that very sad because the way I was brought up and the people that I knocked, I mean, I knocked around with you know, while well, I was doing the RSL, the leagues, clubs, and all those days, and, and you know, and the, the, you'd you'd get used to their mannerisms, the way they spoke. Well, I never got offended, at, you know, some of the things that they threw at me. I never got offended because you learned how to throw a line back in those days. But if you do it today, they turn around and sue you.
0: But I
3: guess it must be nicer now that you don't have to, because I know a lot of the lay girls comedy was making yourself the punchline before the audience could do that to you.
1: Well, it was very, it was very toiletry humour in those days. <laughs> yeah,
3: I think for young girls coming up now, it must be nice to not have to make a dick joke or not have to make a shaving joke to just be accepted.
1: Oh, I think, darling, I, you know, I, I envy them all today that, you know, they've got it so easy, but I, mm. I'm getting frightened that they're going to go too far because yeah, I never thought, even turning 80, that I would see the freedoms that they've got
2: today. I never thought it would get to this. this I, I think it's unbelievable. I think very much that you've blaze the trail for people. Don't you agree? Don't go back to that again. Oh,
3: I absolutely do. <laughs> and I know that you don't like hearing it. But when, you, when I've looked back at it, and just from a personal experience, even simple things like seeing you on GMA with Bert Newton or on Beauty and the Beast... Welcome back to
1: Beauty and the Beast. Now it's time for one of the women to have her say. It's time <laughs> for Carlotta. Now we're either going to talk about bourbon and beefsteak, drinking with cricketers, um, and, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> I have a fabulous it laugh? God, you must have a boring yeah, yeah. laugh. <laughs> Thank you, darling, so, and please welcome officially Carlotta.
2: I at Carlotta, I'm so glad I wore sequins today. <laughs> we look Jeez.
1: like sisters. Oh of brother that... and sister.
3: <laughs> I remember as a kid in Brisbane in the nineties, you being like a beacon of of hope just by seeing you there, even if you were just present, that you being different and you being in those conversations, you being included, I think allowed so many people to think, oh, well, maybe there's a place for me as well. And I, I've, I know that you don't like to take the compliments, but I definitely know that my journey has been positively impacted by by your presence. And I, I am always grateful for that.
1: You're doing that too today, don't forget. You're doing that. You're, so you
2: have a great way of... Oh, Carol, here you go again. <laughs> Deflecting it. No, but it's it. true. It's like I said, no, but I
1: see myself as a. I see myself as. A, I hope he doesn't get insulted by it. But no, it's not at like all. being. Look, it's like his way of thinking. is like me as a fourteen and fifteen year old kid. That's the way I thought.
3: Yeah, and I'm, we admire you. I think it's mutual admiration. It's yes, mutual it love. Is, darling.
2: It is mutual yeah. love. Can I thank you, Shane, for joining us? It's always such a treat
3: to Love see, see you. What
2: are you doing anyway? What's
3: next? I'm currently writing a fiction book.
2: I hope you've got the <laughs> sex in the in the fiction too, because I remember <laughs> when I read your memoir. Oh man, <laughs> he did a, he did, oh. a
1: fabu- he did a fabulous show in London. Oh which yes, was filmed. Remember That's... the Christmas show thing? Oh, yeah, yes, the That's show. absolutely. Rare. That's what we need on television now. Today. Yes. More of you, beautiful. And don't bring glam. me on it if you do get it. I'm not coming <laughs> on oh, wow, it, I watch we'll. it at home.
3: No, you'll be on it. You're kicking and screaming.
1: <laughs> Unless you've got a Diamante walker, that's it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> With Diamante tennis balls on the bottom.
1: <laughs> that is love what you, you're going to be making. Love you, sweetheart.
2: Love
0: you. So you two love. have
2: fun.
1: Thank
0: uh, you. Bye. Bye. bye.
3: bye. <laughs>
2: You're an icon. I know you're not comfortable with that word, but I'm going to say you are an icon. And you're the inspiration behind one of our most famous films, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yes, but, you know,
1: I laughed at him, Stephen Ely, when he wrote that. You know, he, like, he wasn't game enough to use my name, although everyone could see it was based on me, that part of it.
2: And, I and this st- is Terence Stamps, Stamps'
1: role. And I met Terence Stamp the night of the musical when it opened. He said, oh, he said, I believe I was based on your role, Carlotta. And I said, uh, yeah, but I was never that ugly. But <laughs> 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 I, always, I always said, oh, they could have picked someone prettier for the run, but he was very good in it. I mean, he got nominated. He was the only one out of that that got nominated for Academy Award.
2: It was a fabulous film. And it must have, you must have felt. Pretty incredible seeing part of your story yeah. up there on screen. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: you know, they've made my movie into, like Jessica, uh, Murray doesn't act anymore, which is unfortunately, but she did a brilliant job of me in my movie. But, you know, that was supposed to be a miniseries. And that particular telly movie about your life,
2: did Shane want to play you? A
1: certain person's been asked to write my musical. I, I mentioned Shane playing me in that. It was my choice that I picked Jessica to play me in the movie because, do you know what? If you see old photos of a me, and I'm not being conceited, but it's true, everyone agreed, she looked a bit like me. Like, you know, it, she just suited and she did it so well. And it wasn't that thing was around in those days that, oh, a trans... Although we did get a, we It was starting to creep in then. Why didn't you get a trans to play it? Well, there were no trans actors around. You know, uh, maybe Courtney could have done, but I think Courtney would have been too young for it at the time.
2: Yes. Now, you're 80. What do you want people to remember you for when they think about
0: you?
1: Good time. Just fun. People will think what they want to think, you know, you must never go through life worrying about what people think of you. I don't. I, I, I really don't. I know how I conduct myself. If you don't like me, get off the planet. If you like me, you're welcome anytime.
2: Well, I love being welcome in your beautiful <laughs> world. <laughs> I love you to bits. For someone who said she was retiring, you just cannot stop.
1: Darling, if you stop... You die. And believe you me, mummy's not ready for that yet.
2: Oh no, you've still got a lot of living to do. Well, let's
1: hope so. You know, let's hope so. I love you and thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, darling. Beautiful as always. How's your cookie?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a treat for me to have, Carol here in the studio. You can hear her big heart and she is just the most phenomenal woman. And I feel incredibly lucky to have her in my life. Now you can of course see her shining on stage in her one woman show. If you live in Sydney, head to the Hayes Theatre. We have all of the details about the show in our show notes. So buy your ticket, I am going to be there. And for more big conversations like this, I'd love you to subscribe and follow the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show podcast. It means you'll never, ever miss an episode. And if there's someone in your life who you think might enjoy this conversation, why not share it with them by tapping the three dots? And if you love this chat with Carlotta, I reckon you will love my chat
0: with Courtney Act. Chaz asked me if I'd ever heard of the term gender fluid. And I hadn't. This was 2014. And he simply said, it's the idea that it's okay for boys to be feminine and it's okay for girls to be masculine. And it was one of the most pivotal and profound understandings that I've had because up until that point, I thought that it was shameful for a boy to be feminine despite having done drag for, at that point, probably 15 years or so. I still didn't think it was right, even though I loved it. That feeling inside was love, but the feeling outside was shame. I felt so validated and liberated by this label. And it was like the past 20 something years of, of gender confusion that I had experienced on and off, all just made sense. And I, I was like, oh, I'm not a trans woman. I'm not a man, but I'm, I'm, I'm me. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess
2: Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't
0: matter.